So what I want us to do, Charlie, is before we record a new episode, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to put up the second part of the one we did with Justin Hamilton. Yep. Uh, and I've edited out uh, the appropriate edits. And uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're talking no, about. No, you don't know. And no one will ever know because I actually <laughs> remembered to edit them out. Good. Uh, Good but boy. here's the thing. Um, I thought we'd just put a little plug up the top because we forgot to kind of really mention this or stress this, which is uh, that tickets for the LA Podcast Festival are on sale. Charlie and I are going over. Our show is on this Saturday. Uh, Dave Anthony and I had a conversation where we said it was on the Friday because at one stage it was going to be on the Friday, but we're Saturday at four o'clock. Yeah. If you want to come and see the show, the dollop's also on that night. That'd be a great day. If you're booking tickets to the festival, if you use the code TOFOP, we get a little cup from that. Yeah. And seeing we're and both we- flying over from Australia. <laughs> It'd be really good but to have that cut. We should also also both remember, because we both got the uh, online subscriptions last year and we didn't use our own promo code. I know. And by the way, it's really good. So if you want to watch it, if you can't make it over to the LA Podcast Festival, you can you know watch the live stream. And you get the live stream for the whole weekend. It's really affordable, but you also get it for a period of time afterwards. Um, it's totally worth it, because you can check oh, out lots of different podcasts I, as well. I mean, I went to the podcast festival and I watched more of the podcasts online on that live stream yeah. than I did when I was there. So, yeah, it's really cool. So if you could uh, do that and put in our code, uh, that'd be really helpful for us because we're both flying over for it. Uh, and also, um, I just have some shows that I wanted to plug. So uh, my, Okay, I'll, I'll come back in a minute. Yeah, my free will show. Uh, I have two more nights in Perth. Thanks to everyone who came in Sydney. It was brilliant. I am loving doing this show so much and Justin is in the best form he's ever been in his life. Absolutely slaying it. Uh, we have two more shows in Perth at the PCEC so come out to those some people have been asking if I will do my political will show also in Perth um, I guess if they both if the other two shows both sold out maybe I could look at doing that but there's oh, an incentive yeah, I like sell, that right? good, real good get sell. your friends to buy a fucking ticket subtle but I'm also doing my political will show in Sydney at Giant Dwarf uh, kind of in November uh, that's uh, a third sold out already so thanks could, I think you could just ramp up that sales pitch of political will just a bit more by just saying well, I was going to do a show in Perth, but I just don't know if Perth fans love me enough to do it. <laughs> like the wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Will. I could just see people over in someone. Not- I don't know. I seem to sell a lot of shows in Adelaide. We're done in Adelaide. Boom. We'll buy tickets. We're separated by geography. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so that'd be great. So buy tickets is what I'm saying. All right, that's all we had to do. Regular programming to follow. The following episode of TOFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. That's awesome. Is it a gritty reboot? We've been talking about Batman, like usual. <laughs> World was like. It's free, you know. I travelled through time. Totally. Totally. That's sex with happy mates. Well, you're on a lazy Susan. It's a total fact. The father of the and the holy toast. Fire up the fucking flux capacitor and let's get guns. Now, this is Tofop. Excuse me. <laughs> Everyone relax. This is Tofop. Uh, I'm Charlie Claus. I'm Will Anderson. And you can just say I'm Justin Hamilton if yeah. you want. Okay. Yeah, everyone knows it too. What far, now? Right? <laughs>
It's a two. Well, we said at the end of the last yeah. episode it was going to yeah. be a two-parter. Yeah, we, t- we teased. I am Justin. People just you're going to have to move away from that wall. You oh, can't I know hear this. Uh, like, Justin's sitting on a chair, a leather chair backed up against a wall, and it sounds like he's farting it continuously. Sounds, sounds like two clowns fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't that your traditional American name? <laughs> yeah, it certainly yeah. was. Yeah. That was a hell of a summer. <laughs> Yeah, it was the year after Dances with Wolves. <laughs> yeah, it was. A t- everyone said it was too soon, and right. they were right. <laughs> Adam Sandler is two clowns fucking. <laughs> oh my god, I reckon we could sell that to him. Oh, no, no, isn't he in trouble with the, one of his latest movies? Pixels, there was some yeah. with oh. the. Oh no, he's na- he no, with the Native it. American. It's a Happy Madison. I think it's like uh, it was like Joe Dirt Two, or um, you know, what's the Rob Schneider movie? Part two. It's one of his kind of something in the Bigoro universe. You know, well, there's Adam Sandler in the <laughs> Adam Sandler verse. You have yeah. Adam yeah, Sandler. in the Sandler verse, right? And then you have like the kind of um, uh, uh, like the grown up kind of gang. Like yeah, the Kevin guys, James, Kevin James, and I can't I'm, I can't think of the guy's name. David Spade, David Spade, David Spade, Rob Schneider, and someone else. So they're making a like I think it's a director video Joe Dirt sequel or Rob Schneider's might be already out too. I think Joe Dirt too. I think it's already on like Netflix or so, wherever it's yeah. wherever mm. it, anyway, it is. You can watch it. So they, uh, they YouTube. They, <laughs> I don't know. They were shooting a scene. They asked for like Native American extras. Joe Dirt too, even it. dirtier. Uh-huh. Joe dirtier. <laughs> yeah. Joe dirtier. Joe Dirt too. <laughs> Joe's back, and this time he's dirtier. Yeah. My understanding is that they invited the well, they they got this casting call for all these Native American extras, and then from what the Native American extras say is that they just. Uh, saw a whole bunch of really racist jokes stereotyping Native Americans like names like two clowns fucking and stuff (laughs) and when they and they sort of tweeted but I imagine not as clever (laughs) right (laughs) didn't know whether to be insulted or upset but it was all in good fun it was all in good fun come on mate what you still what you think it's what you don't think it's funny that we came to your country ruined your entire culture and existence and now want to make cheap jokes at that expense <laughs> come on oh guy sensitive get over it mate yeah oh you're playing the victim mate eh? oh yeah look at you boo hoo <laughs> it's a man's game I can boo Adam Goods oh how did it get that so quickly oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Justin was in the video in the Sydney Morning Herald, like Fairfax, the age, I don't know who it was, but whatever nationally they did, uh, like a video, and it had all these prominent Australians. Who was in it, Justin? Oh, man, uh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. And Justin. Uh, uh, Bill Shorten. Bill Shorten. Yep. Yep. Uh, Peter Phelps. Peter Phelps. Phelpsy. And uh, bringing it home, last scene of the clip, the most poignant scene of the clip. Justin Hamilton, comedian and writer. Yeah, like it's official. How did you get in there? Well, you like know, you're having dinner with Kate and Andrew, and uh, <laughs> and I thought just no, I stopped by to say, but you know what it was? It was like one of those things where, and I, you know, you, I mean, Justin knows this. I, I mean this with absolutely no respect. But like a lot of it was sold on like star power early on. But Justin was clearly the person who nailed it best. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you know, his words were clearly the most poignant and to the point. So they're like, you know what? You're getting in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we the very last clip? Yeah, yeah very yeah, last. Because cl- like always close out. He was yeah. the, the most poignant statement. Right. Well done. Well, you know, uh, thank top. you. Actually, you know what? And racism's been cured. Hey! Am I? Thank God a white man got involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bunch a of famous people said they don't like racism. It's all over. Yay! <laughs> I felt a bit bad, like... Um, uh, before the uh, the two guys were executed in Bali, there was that video that went round with, uh-huh. and I had a lot of friends who were involved in that. And it's like with the best intentions mm. that people make those videos, but 
we live in an era now where you can come out with the most kind of like balanced opinion about something mm. and there will be people just lining up to fucking hit you with a baseball bat. And it's right. like, yeah. this is what we're tearing down? Like people who feel compassion or yeah. are asking for a sense of calm. And it's like, yeah. let's fuck it. Hey, who do you think you are to tell me to be this? It's like, well, no, I'm not saying that. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's it, interesting. Talk us through, because I think this is an interesting perspective because I have a natural um, like wariness towards those sort of things. And I have a skepticism when I say, like, sometimes I see celebrities weighing into things where you're like, you know what? I don't know if you actually do feel that passionately about this. I feel like an email went around and you were like, fuck, I could be in this. Yeah. Like, you know, but... Do you think it's that calculated? Well, tell, I, or do I you think, think it's for more some like... people... Or, and some people, it's probably naive. But yeah, then they naive, speak yeah. passionately about things, which is fine. Coney 2012, speak, anyone? Right. They speak passionately about things that they don't have enough information to back up, right? Yeah. But so t- talk me through your thought process, Justin. Tell us how the whole thing happened and what your thought process was around this because you have personal experience. Yeah, right. You know what? That's uh, – well – I'll have to actually go right back to uh, when mum raised me, right? Like, uh, she was very much uh, teaching me as a kid about racism and, uh, you know, she used to point out some of the deplorable behaviour that was yelled out by the crowds to the West Indies and, and stuff like that. So it's been something that's been ingrained in, in me the for cricket, a long time. In the cricket, we should point out. In the cricket, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yes. No P.O. International, like Australians in international waters. It's just awkward. Doing drive-bys. Oh, God. Fuck you, Guys, you're not actually even a real country. You're a collection of nations that have cobbled together for the purposes of cricket. Yeah, like it was a yobbo, but it was articulate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, and I'm I'm pretty reluctant to put my name to too many things because I do think sometimes that a an overabundance of people doing it can kind of feel a bit like, oh, yeah, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. B, I don't really have that big a profile, so I kind of figure, you know, other people will be putting their names to it. And, you know, I think you just kind of, you just got to be smart about these things. But anyway, I've been so disgusted and embarrassed by the way Adam Goods has been treated for years now, and I've seen it at the footy and... And I've just. But been... the weird thing is that Justin's disgusted that uh, we let him win Brownlow medals and be Australian of the Year. We yeah. need to yeah. point that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you thought this was a story yeah. about a man's compassion and tolerance, no, 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 yeah. no complete opposite. 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 Oh, what I'm trying twist. to say is, <laughs> this is how I rebelled against my mum. And. Uh... <laughs> Uh, most people go off the rails. I became racist, but uh, so anyway, uh, and I, I've actually found it really upsetting. And I found so, it too. That, yeah, like that. The, the the week where he actually took the time off. Oh, I actually was surprised by how much I was emotionally affected by it. Yeah, and really, because I had people that I know and who are friends of mine who were saying, "Look." You know, I'm not being racist, but and but. and, and <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but. well, this is a thing. But, 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 but. I think so many it's, it's, but, 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 but. it's weird, but it's a, but it's a thing of um, you're actually apologising. You know, you're refusing to you, you're refusing to acknowledge that people are mistaking you for being racist. Yeah, and it's like that doesn't make any sense to me. If I at any time felt I was offending someone through my behaviour, like really offending someone. I would adjust it and say, okay, so just say it's customary for some people to wear like yeah. that hat. Oh, I'm not going to wear that hat. Yeah, well, you know what? We've Maybe been talking around, about if that. If I was around during the war yeah. and I had my same haircut I have now, but yeah. I also had a tiny little mustache yeah. below my you know, top lip <laughs> yeah. and I was going to say my Jewish friend's wedding, yeah. I'd be like, you know what? I know I had this mustache before yeah. the whole Hitler thing yeah. started, but and you're just but- out of... 
You know what? Hitler ruined it for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I am not so like, no, I'm just going to keep the mustache. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to put on my best black leather for the wedding. <laughs> Yeah, that's why when I catch up with my Ukraine friends, I don't do any wrestling of tigers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just out of respect. Well, just, so the, I saw an, an email, a Facebook meme that went around uh-huh. that said, you know, this Adam Goods thing, there's, uh, there's two arguments. You know, if you boo, you're racist. You know, if you don't, it's because blah, blah, blah. But there's a third group of people. There's people who go to the football and, you know, and just want to follow the football. And, you know, you're going to boo a player who ducks and, you know, plays for free kicks and all this kind of shit. And that's who we're booing. And so I was like, this mate of mine posted it, and I had to get in contact with him and said, yeah, okay, right. So this third group of tolerant people who are just booing, if they are tolerant, are they not worried that their booing is having them associated right. with well, not the just, racist? Not just right. being associated, but giving cover to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cover. That's and ju- that's literally literally justifying what they're doing. it. They're, they're justifying, justifying it. You know? that, that was my thing. was like, I have no problem with people booing Adam Goods if Adam Goods does something on the field that you would ordinarily boo a player for. Well, Dave Callan actually put right? it out where he said, if it happens in the moment and you boo, fine. Fine. That's yeah. a good boo. And yeah. you know what? I'm happy for racists to sneak in their boo then. Yeah. Like, if you have a racist boo to give, you have to time it coincidentally <laughs> yeah. with him doing something. Yeah, yeah right? So that's just going to keep them on the edge all day, going, right. where do I get to get it in? But but that's not what it's about anymore. Well, no. You know, the weird thing is, like, when I, you know, I've grown up watching football and going to football games when it was a suburban game still. And this and is I, why I like us talking about it, because we all love football. This yeah, is yeah. the point. Like, I've seen a lot of people weigh in and be really negative towards AFL and really negative towards, like, football yeah, yeah, in general on this culture, issue. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The reason that it hurt us so much and the reason that I'm so passionate and I think everyone in this room is so passionate about this issue and why we felt hurt by it is yeah. we love this game. Yeah. And we feel like the game is being hurt and one of the greatest servants of the game is being hurt by yes. something that he should not be being and hurt And ordinarily, by. when I describe AFL to people, I say it's like, in terms of the audience, it's one of the most inclusive games there is. Absolutely. Like, you go to see a football game. Like, I always tell this story about leaving a Saints-Bulldogs game and walking out, and there was this, like, super hot, like, 19-year-old girl walking out with her gay emo best friend, this guy walking out. And I was like, what other kind of sport in the world would you see, like, those two minority groups at, a, like, what's traditionally, like, a, a man's game? Like, I've always loved that's inclusive. And the idea that it would be seen as being anything but that. But not, really but not even just that. Here's the thing if you think about it from the next point of view. The game of AFL is, I imagine, I haven't done any research into this to back this up, but I imagine the highest paid job that an Indigenous person can have in Australia. It is certainly the highest percentage of Indigenous people who succeed in a white workplace of anything. There is no other... I can't think of any other thing where there would be a higher percentage of Indigenous people who have risen to the top level of their industry in any other industry in Australia. So clearly, at least in that respect, like in backing it up, yeah. It's a inclusive inclusive yeah. industry. Like I can imagine people going, Oh, what's well, all well and good for fucking Kate Blanchett or all these actors to talk about, you know, don't boo Adam Goods, but you're making movies and I don't see too many indigenous people popping up in them. Mm. At least this sport actually includes these people and pays them and like mm. celebrates them in this thing. Yeah. So I think that's why it hurt as well, because I actually think that our game has always felt like you know, a place where, you know, indigenous people have a potential to succeed. I mean, Adam Goods managed to become not only the Brownlow medalist twice, a premiership player, but also Australian of the year through being involved in this game. And it's also like, it's the simple fact too, that the guy, from what he has done in public, 
has been nothing but exemplary. Right. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Like he has not put a foot wrong in terms of what you normally associate with bad behaviour. Hasn't like never hit hasn't, a woman, hasn't never burned a dwarf, taken drugs, never been, hasn't, like, like, <laughs> even the minor stuff that we right. kind of laugh about. Never been kept on a plane a, to Thailand on a footage shit. Haven't mm. seen a picture of his cock on the no, internet. Nothing. Never took over the captain's announcement but and he's said a, the plane was going to land. expressing his opinion... <laughs> is enough to boo him more than players who have been accused of horrendous things or been convicted of horrendous things and still allowed to play. And But also, that the opinion he's expressing, people go, well, opinion, he, people go, he brought politics into it. He was elected, I mean, I made this argument previously, so I'm sorry that I'm going over old ground, but I am, I am also so passionate about this and I hope it will give a context to what Justin's going to talk about. But I, I am, fuck. They they appointed it's not his fault that they appointed him Australian of the Year. He didn't run for Australian of the Year. There wasn't an election campaign. It wasn't something that he was coveting. Mm. Like it would have been as much of a surprise to him as anybody else when they said Adam Goods is our Australian of the Year, right? So secondly, if they offer you that opportunity on behalf of your people, people that you've been lucky enough to succeed, but you know that a lot of your people haven't had the same experience, and they give this you, you this opportunity, this public voice to speak on behalf of your people, and you speak on behalf of your people just as they wanted you to do, and people are like, boom! No, 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 that's not what we. That's not why we gave you the award. Just tell us how great it is and how everything is and everything's great. We gave yeah. you the award so you would say that we're even now. Yeah, yeah. We're even now. <laughs> we stole your country. We did terrible things, but you're Australian of the Year and you've won a Brownlow. Just high five us and tell us we're even because that's what we want to hear. But if you don't, if you stick up for your people like you should have, mm. yeah. like and like he did, then you know, okay. So and also the thing is, is that he wasn't even uh, it wasn't even militant. No, like he just was, he just pointed out a fact. That's quote, all he did. But the quote in context where he yeah. talks about Evasion Day, he literally says, for some people this is Australia Day, for other people it's Invasion Day. But to move forward, yeah. We all have to acknowledge what's happened in the past, which is not a call to arms. No. That is not a, I spit on your flag. That was like, I, hey, I, there's been some shit that's happened. To move forward, we have to acknowledge that. Mate, and people have a problem with that. Yeah, because they, they stopped concentrating as before he said but. Because yeah. it's, no, but also it's one of those things where I've made the point several times before that I would love there to be in a, a day where all Australians could celebrate, you know, the idea of, like, at the very least, just have a Barbie and listen to the, you know, Triple J Hottest 100 and, like, think <laughs> about our country or whatever. But we shouldn't be doing that on the day that a significant percentage of our original population yeah. is Invasion Day. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like you expecting your kid to be cool with the new mum. But you had your wedding to like the the second like mum on the day the old mum died. Yeah, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, like I could have got behind this well, you new know marriage, what? but but, but you really picked but the, the family. But the family's going to be getting together anyway. <laughs> right. So they've already booked their flight. So we won't, you know, we won't have to book two sets of flights. They're all going to be there together, and everyone, people who know each other, have something in common. We all knew Debbie, you the know, first wife. You, but- lovely woman. We'll start the funeral off out the back. Yeah. We'll do that around yeah. two. We'll have a break, and then. Yeah, we'll uh, everyone yeah. uh, changed from their blacks to their whites. Yeah, uh, yeah we've, we've got uh, yeah we've got uh, David Strassman's going to do entertain you guys uh, yeah. for half an hour in between. It'll be great. He's a world class entertainer. So okay, so with all this in context, <laughs> like of you know that people are you know 
that we were all very passionate about this. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, and you so, know, and, and how does your involvement in this start? Well, basically, what happened was uh, I was about to go to a gig at the comedy store, so it's about four thirty on a Friday, and our management sent something around saying, "Hey, if anyone wants, to, they're going to put this video together. If you want to contribute something, uh, send it here." And I thought, "Oh, you know what." It might, it probably won't be used, but I would hate to know that at some point in the future that this could potentially be, and we live in a world of hyperbole, but we are potentially living in a moment which could really uh, sort of reinvigorate the soul of Australia. And I feel yeah. like this is potentially, you know, a real moment of learning. And I thought, well, I'd like to be able well, to look back. a moment where we could go, we're at a crossroads. Well, we're definitely at a crossroads, and, like, yeah. And, I'm, not- and I want to be optimistic about it. Yeah. Right. If, if we do the right thing. And I thought, I'd hate to look back and think, well... Maybe you could have done something. So anyway, so I, I filmed this little 16-second bit and sent it in. And um, anyway, the next day when it came up, and I ended up putting it up because I figured it wouldn't be used, but I started watching it and I'm just seeing the names yeah. after names right. after names. And I'm like, the, after the third one, I'm yeah. like, I'm not in this. And then at, I thought, if I'm in, I'll be at the halfway point. Wasn't in the halfway point. Was completely fine. I just, there was right, just but name. you're like, well, you know, I'll probably be filler in the middle. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. put me in between like a couple couple of guys no, you, know, used to no. be- you know what you'd be because they always with those videos whatever the tagline is like stop guns yeah there's a moment where it's a montage of saying that's why we have to stop guns stop, stop guns. guns stop, stop guns. guns oh yeah so you yeah. probably thought that you'd be the guy yeah. at the end saying adam goods <laughs> yeah 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 i wouldn't even get that they, they, i'd be them uh, goods so yeah. i wouldn't even get so, the full name yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, it got to the end, and then then I popped up, and I also thought other people uh, were just putting up pictures of holding things up, and there was a part of me thinking, "You're an idiot! Like, why did you record something? You should have just taken a photo. That would have been much better." And anyway, then they used uh, it was the last sixteen seconds of it, and it was, uh, you know. Not to be an arsehole, but it was really emotional to kind of go, oh, my God, they used it. I was so wrapped to be a part of it. But it was the best part of it. Like, it's literally the bit that brings home this whole... It's fantastic. Tell me about how you filmed it, because oh, that's yeah. what I love as well. He looks so fucking, like, comedian slash writer. Like, <laughs> it's like you're in the dark and you've got your beard and you're really talking I like... I'm a, it's like... I was like, how the... When did, like, Justin turn into Anthony Bourdain? <laughs> <laughs> it's always been inside me, to be honest. And, uh, well, you know, because I'm staying at this cute little Airbnb in Newtown, I was just trying to find a place that wasn't getting sunlight or wasn't in the complete dark. So that was the whole point of that. And I probably did, a, like, I didn't keep any of them, but there were a couple of, uh, nah, you know, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is the whole yeah. edit. Cause you, and then you, there was a good one and it was like, oh, that's kind of like about a quarter of my forehead. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and eventually there was another one that was about 25 seconds. I thought that's too long. And so then I put together the 16 second one. But Adam Richard said to me uh, when he watched it, he said, oh, you know why they've used you? And I said, he said, no. And he said, that's your comedian skills coming in. Because sometimes when we want to tell jokes, we have to get information out there so quickly and succinctly to set up a premise. He said, that was, that was your comedy skills kicking right. in. Yeah, right. yeah, no, you definitely Which was funny, did that right? in summary. Can I ask what yeah. you said? I can't remember. Uh, it was, uh, you know what, it's been, I'm not entirely certain, but I just kind you of mentioned. Paraphrase. I remember just, you said to, uh, to the Cubs winning the World Series and big tits, that was part of it, right? Yeah, that was the start. That was fine. Well, I wanted uh, to win over the crowd good, before yeah. I sent the message. No, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was just saying that this was, uh, you know, uh, 
a real opportunity to not only stand by him but just kind of follow him and we could, uh, you know, we won't tolerate racism anymore. Mm. That's so that racism basically is, the message. Yeah. Is that now done? But and they're now, and they're, so it's now it's solved. It's a high five. Everyone. Yeah, I'm going to America next week. I'm going on tour. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the Middle East. Well, hey, I, guys, just be friends. Well, I, posted a, <laughs> I, I posted a few things on social media, like when it was all going on, I did a, a tweet and uh, posted a photo of just Adam playing in support. And I've never copped so much fucking, like, aggressive, like, hate mail over it. I couldn't believe it. Like, when you think about it, Will, when you think about the stuff we've discussed on Tofop, Right. Of all the things that someone could get really angry about and like, you know, harass me about, that was the one thing that really gave people the shits. Mate, it's it's honestly picked open some scabs. There are some football commentators and people that I've listened to speak on this that I can never ever like see in the same light again yeah. because it's it's show, it's shown a little bit of their soul the and biggest, their heart. The biggest myth of it and the thing that is like total revisionist history is the way that people are saying I'm not booing him because of uh-huh. his stance. Oh yeah, it's he uh, uh, milks free kicks and it's, and uh, you know he yeah. he goes uh, in with his knees. You know he's like he's a he's a cheater and it's like yeah. hang on. Like, hang on. If we were to scour the archives of footballers who have tried to bend the rules a little bit, duck their heads too early into a tackle, maybe played 200 games for Geelong, you know, like, there's no, but I mean, that's who, a, I mean, stretch the rules, and that's what champions do. Mate, Boomer Harvey, like, you know, 100%. all these guys, champion players, like, you know, fucking Hodgie, like, Hodgie, like, I bash guys, Sam Mitchell's fashion guy, like, I mean, all, when, but when everyone you talk about, has a flaw in there. Right, so Matthew Lloyd, everyone's like, oh, he used right. to dive, right? Right. I still don't. Like I know that I I have never been compelled to boo Matthew Lloyd because of his reputation as a diver. You know what I mean? There's no player I can think of who has a kind of you know a, a thing that they push the rules with that I'm like that offends me so much uh, if, that you I'm going to fucking boo if, you if, continuously. If, if a player punches another player, right? If someone boos that, right. yeah, right. that's if what someone, you boo. If someone decks someone behind the play, yeah. then yeah. all day long you boo that person. There was a yeah. guy, there's a guy on the Tofop page who. Uh, we, you know, you posted some link to an article about understanding the Adam Goods issue, and some guy wrote this thing saying, "You know, I do it because of what he did to uh, Josh Gibson's knees. What a cunt!" And so I wrote back to this guy and I said, "All right, there was a, a game uh, in the early '90s where uh, Darren Milburn playing against Carlton, uh, Stephen Savani was going for a mark, and Daryl Milburn leapt through the air, full body into Stephen Savani's back, with one intention to fucking hurt him, like." It was one of them at some horrendous injuries. Like, Silvani was cut it off. They were worried maybe he'd broken his neck, maybe he'd never play again. As Darren Milburn is going off the ground, the whole crowd's going nuts, and he is clapping to the Carlton supporters, mocking them as he gets dragged. He's in the box, and Carlton supporters at the fence yelling at him, and he's, like, waving and egging them on. He never got booed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a year later for that incident. Like, he tried to kill someone. Lee, Darren Mas- Milburn Lee had- Matthews... Oh. Got arrested. Got arrested. <laughs> Went to fucking court. And, like, he's a legend of the game. Yeah. Celebrating you know what's funny you say that? Because that was the first... When I was writing back to this guy, I thought about bringing Lee Matthews into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to abridge it. And I said, look, Lee Matthews got arrested. But he's a legend of the game. Because <laughs> <laughs> as much as I want to make my point, I don't right. want to tarnish Lee Matthews. You don't want it out there that Lee, <laughs> yeah. like, Lee, we're on your side. Lee, Lee, we love you, Lee. I bought two copies of your autobiography, <laughs> so don't worry about it, mate. Yeah, but I mean, you, you, the point being, you see players <laughs> who have done too. much more horrendous things, and they have not had the sustained... Like, Especially not, mate. It's not about year. that. Anyone who says it's about that, it's not about that. 
you're looking for something. It's like the people who say it's, oh, it's how he treated that 13-year-old girl. And then Chip Legrand in the Australian. Chip Legrand, by the way, doing some fucking great work in the in sports journalism. I'm reading that book he wrote about the Essendon Drugs Saga, and it's brilliant. Um, but uh, he ran through what happened. And Goodsy, as soon as he knew it was a 13-year-old girl, his quote, you can actually yeah, just yeah. find his quote. Yeah. He's like, we shouldn't... like all, Let's not victimise this girl. Victimize she needs her. our support She's right like, now. Blah, blah, blah. All I'm saying is like, yeah, racist. And he was really kind of blaming the environment and yeah. the culture, not yeah. like... He's saying, look at what this has come to, yeah. that we've let this happen, but let's not... And everyone's yeah. like, well, what do you do to that girl and the way he... No. He oh, didn't. Well, she got dragged away from her grandma. He had no could he arrange that yeah, while yeah, he was playing yeah, footy yeah, at the yeah, same yeah, time? Yeah. You fucking idiot. I know. Yeah. I know. And it's like, and even <laughs> Rowan, Rowan Connolly made the point that they're basically deifying this girl and her right. family in response. And it's like, but the family don't want that attention. The mother came out and said they shouldn't be booing him. Like yeah. the mother, the person who has the most right to be aggrieved, who said, I right. don't think it's right they're booing him. And still, no, we're going to champion your cause for you. Obviously, don't understand what you're talking about. It's like, no, she's saying. She shouldn't do it. Right. She's the most reason to be aggressive. But she also shouldn't have yelled that out. And it is sad that we live in an environment where people are yelling that sort of shit out. Like, I mean, but, like, you can't blame him for that. That's no. just classic victim blaming. Yeah. It's look, at, it's look at what he's wearing. Look at him going out in public, you know, in his black skin. Yeah. Being yeah. Australian of the year and successful at what he does and defending his, you know, downtrodden people. But the yeah. weird thing is, I don't know. Boo! I don't know about you, but... Let's cheer that guy who's flogging a multinational company for money. Yay! A hero! Boo! Guy who's sticking up for the underprivileged. Boo! Yeah. Like, growing up watching footy in the suburban leagues and stuff, you would hear really racist stuff. But I would say in the last 10 years, like the AFL... Since Nicky, the Nicky Winmar incident, right. I noticed a change going to the football that that stuff... Like, when I was in the 80s and the early 90s, like, it was really bad what you'd hear at the football. But I noticed, like, it was gone. And I sort of feel like this Adam Goods thing is like, oh, no, it hasn't gone. No. Gone. People have just gotten yeah. much more clever about yeah, they're how more they are racist. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, uh, no, that is absolutely true. I mean, it's still there. And that's p- part of the debate about where you have this like, debate about, like, free speech. And, you know, you'll have, like, there is a part of me that, isn't probably in charge, like in favor of laws that like outlaw people's speech because I think that it doesn't actually change people's behavior. I think we're better to have the debates out loud and let people say what they want to say and then we can, you know, kind of have that conversation. But it's well, you know what you do. You don't you don't bring in a law. You let you educate enough right. of the people that Absolutely. the people uh, change the trend. Yeah, and and like, educate the other part. Do you right, know what I mean? Just get to the point where we decide. No, yeah. no, no, no. This isn't acceptable anymore. Yeah. And look, it's up to us as well. I mean, we're all guilty. I imagine, and I, I'm. Well, guilty. I don't know what you're talking about. You've been speaking to man. Oh. This, this is true. Okay, here's what I'd say. I'm certainly guilty of laughing along at a racist joke rather than making a fuss. You know, I'm in a scenario where someone tells a joke that's like slightly racist instead of me, and and I don't like it, but instead of me reacting to that or whatever, it's like getting a pain in the ass going, I'm just like, you know what, just fucking let it slide. Or you'll get a cab driver. Well, that's a classic example. decides to tell you what the world, what's really going on in the world. Well, for me, it's mostly cab drivers, particularly (laughs) if they know I'm a comedian. Like almost 95% of the time, that means I'm about to hear a horrendously racist joke that I'm probably not going to argue with because... yeah. Yeah, Barely about like, sexist or homophobic. Like, it's across the board. Sometimes, oh, sometimes all three. Sometimes all three at the same yeah. time. Yeah. No, they... So, 
it is mostly in that situation. I wouldn't say it's friends necessarily, although I did have somebody who I met recently at a party who was a friend of a friend who launched into a particularly racist joke straight away, and I was like, oh, you've misjudged this crowd, yeah. dude. Like, this is... Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where I think that we have to start even a little bit more going, you know what? I know I don't want to make a fuss, but it doesn't change if I don't make at least a little bit of a fuss. If yep. I don't say that's inappropriate. Because if he doesn't if that cab driver never hears that's inappropriate, then maybe he just doesn't know it's inappropriate, you know? Yeah. I definitely disengage with it though. Well, I don't th- say anything, but I will be like blah 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 and then that'll happen and I'll I just look out like, the window. I'm the opposite. I kind of like teasing it out. I right. like to know I like to ask questions and say, oh, you, and how you do know, you get to this mindset? I mean, I've got to be honest with you. If I'm in the mood, I yeah. also enjoy that. Yeah. There's nothing I enjoy more than having a conversation with someone that I don't care about oh. so that you can then just like explore fully their psychosis. So I had this, yeah, exactly. So, perfect story for you. <laughs> uh, I had this cab driver in Melbourne and uh, it got off to a great start where I booked the cab. I went down, he put into my mum's driveway, I went down and uh, as I was getting the cab, he said, Farley. And I said, no, Charlie. And he looked at his little display thing, looked back at me and he's gone, Farley. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, Charlie. No, no I, I'm, I'm Charlie. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, off to a good start. And so we start driving <laughs> and he says to me, uh, sir, can I ask you a question? I was like, yes. And he's like, how you many dads with the devil in the power mm-hmm. moonlight? How many sides does a dice have? Uh, are you asking us now? Yeah. Yeah, six. What do you say? Hang on. Uh, how many sides does a <laughs> dice have? Yeah. Um, the answer to this is uh, 12. Yes. Have you had the same cab driver? All oh, right. Now, but no, his point being, a die is one, and a dice means two, no, 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 right? no. Well, what he was saying is a cube. <laughs> his answer is that a cube. It's you don't just count the face; you count the edges as well. Oh, right. Oh, that's interesting. We got to the same answer, but through a different process. Yes. That's why you have to show you're working in maths exams. Yeah, because I got, that was hundred percent professor. I got, I got hundred percent the correct <laughs> answer, but I worked it out a different way. But in my head, I'm thinking about that. And going, maybe that's not right. It doesn't. It seems like there would be more edges than there are faces to a dice, right? Right. One, two, three, four. Hey, one. one two, oh, what are we doing? Think, no, there's 12 edges. Great moments in podcasting. <laughs> Just cut that out. Just cut that out. And yeah, let's it into one hey, so, this 2015 year in podcasting, uh, Barack Obama, President of the United States, sits down with Martin Marin clip. Uh, Charlie tries to work out how many edges there are on a dice. Two pop, 2015. <laughs> or is die two? It's more than one is die. Uh, oh, whatever the question was, how many sides? Which one's which? Is it- now I've, I've worked out the right answer through no... I've just lucked onto the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> His point was that you should it need- have been Andrew Die Clay, right? <laughs> That's actually a good point. No, you name and a suggestion. Jacket. I'm Andrew Die Clay, the Andrew Dice Clay experience. Oh yeah. yeah no. oh, oh, I fucked her. Yeah. <laughs> I also fucked her. Oh, hickory dickory dock. Almost believable. What? <laughs> Talking of Zuzu pedals as I masturbating with a cheese grater. Interesting at first, but in the end, mostly painful. Oh! The nice thing about Ford Fairlane. <laughs> Jack and Jill went up the hill. Anyway, go on. Uh, in Ford Fairlane, 
because he's the rock, rock and roll, roll detective because it was right in the height of the 80s. Yeah. And he goes, comes back to his office and he's like, there's a fucking koala in my office. Tell in excess that I'm not taking the case. And it's like, Australia! <laughs> That's when I yelled at the TV as yeah. a 10-year-old. Australia! <laughs> I can see little Charlie doing that too. I'm, I'm all over I that. I know That's that great. man and that animal. That American is describing things I know. <laughs> That's worked out well. What are we talking about? Uh, oh, right. So, uh, driver. So how many edges to cube? So whatever the answer fucking is, I, I gave the right. I said six sides, and he gave me the correct answer. Okay. And then he, uh, the reason he told me that was he he was speaking in these kind of all these uh, like parables, I guess. Right. He was saying uh, the reason you look at a cube and you see only six uh, faces is because a man needs to look closer at something to see all that it contains. Um, you know, blah blah blah. And so he kept asking me these kind of non sequitur kind of riddles. Uh-huh. And I would, I was like, "Have Scientology moved into the public transport business?" <laughs> what's your taxi driver? What's your taxi driver, Louis Seifer? <laughs> this is where he was. This is where he was leading me. So, after about fifteen minutes of kind of these bizarre riddles, I was like, "Because I would answer them and get them wrong, and then he would give me some uh, lesson from getting the answer wrong." Right. But then nothing made sense. And then I said. Um, I said, so what are you, I said, what, why, why are you asking me these questions? And he's gone, do you believe in God? And I was like, ah, no, no. I said, but I was Catholic for a long time and uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know what this all means. Yep. And he says, well, the problem with, uh, the problem with r- religion is that what you need to understand is that all religions have truth to them. All religions have truth, mm-hmm. but the truth gets ignored right. by regular people. Uh-huh. So we're looking at the dice, the die, and we're only seeing six sides. But it's not just six sides. There's also however many edges as well. And that if we start exploring more and more of what these religions mean, we can get to true nirvana. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, how do I do that? And he's gone, have you read the Bible? Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible starting place. <laughs> Because <laughs> if you have, forget it. <laughs> Wipe it clean. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've read the Bible. And he said, well, you know, he's going, I'm a born-again Catholic. And I had to stop him. I said, hang on, I don't know if you could, can you jump that? I, I'm born-again Christian, I understand. But like, you know, being a Catholic, like that's like the extra layer on top. That's a type of Christianity. I've never heard of a born-again Catholic. Yeah, that's going to from doing no exercise to a marathon. Well, it's not so much that. It's been, Walk. It's kind, of, it, it's, it's kind of like... There are sacraments you have to perform, like yeah. there's seven sacraments on this kind of stuff. Like, does he do an accelerated? Because the way it works when you grow up Catholic is you, you know, you have your first communion, first confession, confirmation at twelve. Like, it's all things that build and build and build over the course of your Catholic life. Yeah, mm. but this guy said he's a born again. Yeah, there's Catholic. a camp. You can do a six week course. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like a just yeah, everything is six weeks. Six minute abs. abs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Six minute Catholic. Yeah, it's yeah. the four hour Catholic week. Yeah. And so what I... It's the Catholic shaker. It got me thinking where I was like, I actually quite got... So I said to this dude, yeah, so I grew up Catholic and he was like, I'm a born again Catholic. And I was like, oh, cool. I said, but I uh, I said, I was like a full on Catholic. I was an altar boy and I had confirmation, everything like that. I said... Yeah. Have you been touched by a priest? Or do they do that? Nah, in course? You're not a proper Catholic. Well, you're not a real Catholic. Yeah, that's the five minute mark. But I was yeah. like, do I have seniority over you? Because if, if he's a new Catholic... Well, right. Like if he's a rookie... Yeah. Like I imagine if it was surely in the kind of the the so you were giving him a little uh, I grew here you flew here (laughs) you know what this could be (laughs) I pulled rank yeah Yeah. is what I did yeah yeah you're a new I mean you're like new money you're not old old yes that's exactly what it was 
He was the great Gatsby. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I also I also want to make a movie out of this where you're a lapsed Catholic and you're there's a new Catholic coming through who's showing heaps of promise and you're called back into the fold yeah, yeah. to train this him. This kid's midichlorine count is yeah, too high. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need you to train him. I'm put out of retirement. Yeah. yeah. I've got a big, you find me in the woods, I'm living in yeah. a cabin somewhere. And I'm, even though I've been living in the woods, I'm totally buff. I've yeah. been working out by fucking yeah. like yeah. chin ups on trees and shit. Mate, yeah. mate, no, you don't need to. Just your woods lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. But and it's mostly it was, like you're not but, eating processed foods. That's mostly. But like, when you're introduced to me in the woods, it's like a nice kind of panning sort of shot, and you see me chopping wood, totally chopping buff wood. and shit. Yeah, totally. yeah, but I hear a noise behind me, and I turn around and I fling the axe. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's a bullseye right yeah. on the fucking yeah. tree behind me. So you know, even though I've been working the land, I've still yeah. got the skills. And then you can have uh, someone, you, you know. Where did you get those skills? Well, no, no, no. Oh, he's been oh, working. Are you, yeah, you know, a Catholic? When you go out trying to protect yourself from pedophiles as a kid. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to think it's one of those scenes where you're like carving and you realise you've just made a crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so... Uh, you meet this guy. He wants to get you involved in religion. Well, no. Well, that's actually that's the end it. of that's the whole story. story. So what right. happened? I, that was it. I just, He's well, now a Catholic. Well, you know, actually, the last bit of the story. <laughs> so we did this whole thing of I wanted to pull rank, blah, blah, blah. And I was just telling him about, uh, you know, what I had to go through. And you're a born-again Catholic. Yeah. And I feel like I've been ripped off. But when we got there, he was like, he's going, you know what? I, when I said to him, I said, how many people? I said, do you do this spiel to everyone? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, most people. And I said, how many people let you get through the first like 10 minutes and he said not many he's gone <laughs> he's like he's gone there's been another guy and then you the other guy called me because he wanted to come to one of his like bible readings or whatever right but it's like he was actually quite ch- you know what I think got him is because he's giving me all these non sequitur what results, I love the most and I kept encouraging right. so he kept having to give me another one like I could have right. tapped him out if I right. kept asking yeah it's it was amazing it's really insightful give me another one it <laughs> was a snake who met an old man by the river the snake bit the man's apple do you know what that means? Yeah. That I should read the Bible? Is it- <laughs> yes. <laughs> is the answer to all these questions that I should read the Bible? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so, no, but the interesting thing about that is maybe for a minute, because he's only had, like, one success story and you're the only other person who's, like, been vaguely successful in his plan, there must have been a moment where he was like, oh, I've got a second one. Like, he felt yeah. like, like tug on the hook, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, you know. Yeah. yeah. I was the great white. He was fishing for marlin, and there's a great white tugging on the line. He's like, oh, yes, excellent. And then he yeah. pulls up, he's like, you know, we'll just let this one go. That's all right. <laughs> Throw it back in. I'm not going to pull that one in. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, we have to talk about Mad Max. Yeah. Yes. Can yeah. we take a... Uh, oh, we need a break? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Of course we can. And we're back. Thank you. That was desperately needed uh, toilet break. It was a good one. I'm assuming the audience, too, you guys required a toilet break, because we were bullshitting on about fucking racism and shit and whatever. Okay, so let's talk about Mad Max then. <laughs> um, yes. Now, I just need to preface this conversation saying that the whole time you've been away, like it's been a while since we sat down and recorded a TOEFOP, I have been bursting to talk about Mad Max Fury Road because I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I have. But when I did see it and did love it, I was like, oh my God, this must be what it's like to be Will talking about, like, The Dark Knight. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Because this is a film that I saw that in my mind is bulletproof. Like, I actually get upset when people try and disagree or they dislike it. I feel like I have to tell them that they need to love this film in order for me to like them. Right. That's how I feel about this film. It, it, 
it's so personal to you that it makes you make judgments on other people on behalf of it. Exactly. Like, even though you have no involvement in it at all. Okay, so a couple of things. I was so excited for you that it was great because I know that how important this film is. It your favorite? Is it your favorite film? I was saying to Justin today. I was like trying to say like I know Charlie was very excited. Would you say that Mad Max is your favorite film f- franchise? Well, no. Well, this is the thing that is is kind of like has blown my mind is that I love the Mad Max franchise, right. and when I saw this new Mad Max, it was nothing like the franchise that I loved. It was something new that I loved more. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, which is like the Dark Knight. Because I have, because yeah. I have, yeah, exactly. But I have a lot of friends who are Mad Max fans who don't like Fury Road, and they think that it's like you know, it's it's everything they loved about Road Warrior. I mean, it, when people talk about Mad Max, they're talking about Road Warrior. Road like, Warrior. You have affection for the Mad Max because it's you know the first one. First one. And Thunderdome, you're like, well, that's kind of okay. But the well, classic- even this movie kind of pretended that Thunderdome doesn't really <laughs> yeah. exist. Let's, it's better if we all just pretend that. Yeah. But those guys see what they when they think of Mad Max, they see Mad Max as stripped down, economical filmmaking with a great fucking character. Uh, you know, in, in a kind of, a, in a minimalist kind of setting. That's what we love. Like, when you think about it, Mad Max created the post-apocalyptic genre. Right. Whenever anyone shows a dystopian future society, it's, they're just doing what Mad Max did. No one has ever taken that idea and then, you know, built on top of it. They've tried. There's been a lot of knockoffs. But, like, George Miller, in the same way that Lucas created Star Wars... You could argue that Peter Jackson created like the Lord of the Rings. You know, uh, you know who would be good uh, is uh, Ridley Scott with Blade Runner. Mm. You know that iconic, that, that's futuristic kind yeah, of thing. That's a completely unique vision that has never been topped. Uh, the Godfather films, mm. yeah, really set the agenda for every gangster, like, gangster film that's ever going to be yeah. made. Has some sort of like yeah, owes some sort of like nod to those. So the hardcore purists see you know those films and go, but it was all about like you know. The kind of simple idea. It's like a Western, you know? Mm. That's what George Miller was making. This film comes out and it is masquerading as all those things, but there is a subtext and an, a, a depth to it right. that it, it's still the same kind of film, but they, it, it's, I was saying to someone, it's like an art house film with a $150 million budget. Like it's subversive. It's, the best, it's and it's exciting. It's Mate, like, it it's, like the it's like somebody went, went into an office and went, What if we had 200 million dollars to make a movie uh, that is a combination between The Fast and the Furious and Cirque du Soleil? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but even better than that, <laughs> like I must admit, when I because I, I saw it twice, I would have seen it a third time, but fucking Jurassic World. Yeah, knocked it out of the three D. I wanted to see it in three D because uh, I had Osher on my podcast and he'd seen it three D and said you got to see it. I saw it three D at IMAX. Was it good? It was amazing. So the I first saw- few times I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd like it in three D. But then I heard an interview with George Miller, who said because uh, I, I went so nuts for this film that I listened to every every bit of publicity, every podcast, every interview I listened. And George Miller did this lovely long interview on this show, and he talked about how he's not really into three D movies, yep. but he's like, if we're gonna do it, then you know, let's. Uh, make sure that the conversion... And he went into this explanation that was about how the eye perceives 3D image, like a doctor, because he's fucking Dr. George Miller. And he talked about, like, why 3D films don't work because you can be displaced with blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, well, if the doctor's telling me I can see in 3D, like... 
I'm going to fucking see it in 3D. Well, I saw it. Uh, I was like, the first time I saw it, I saw it at um, the Man's Chinese Theatre in LA, in Hollywood, has just done, they've got an IMAX 3D screen that has the new 3D, which is the one that essentially, I don't know what the explanation of the te- technology in, but essentially it boxes you completely in. So I was saying to Justin, I was in a crowded theatre, but you feel like you're the only person oh, wow. who is in there. Like they do this thing, but also, it doesn't feel like it's on a screen way in front of you. It feels like you're in the middle of oh it, like God. a ride. That's amazing. Like, one of the guys we were with, we went with a big group of guys. It was this is Fury Road you saw with right. this technology. And yeah, and wow. it was one of those things where one of the guys had to leave because he was like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like fucking Strange Days. You know that yeah. premise of Strange Days where you squeeze yeah, and you yeah, plug yeah. into someone's memory. That's amazing. Well, it felt as close to like being in a virtual reality experience as I'd ever experienced I'm the first so time. I'm so jealous. I saw it. So it was amazing and I would highly recommend it and I'm not a 3D person. But they do those some films in IMAX, like they did it with The Dark Knight. They will do like a, a short re-release of right. it. Yeah. So if you, because I called IMAX in Sydney when I realised I'd missed it and was like can you bring it back again because I need yeah. to see uh, hi it's uh, Charlie Clawson from Tofop and Home and Away yeah, yeah. it's uh, at CC88 <laughs> CC underscore my reviews on IMDB yeah you don't want one of my scathing 1 out of 10 reviews coming your way so get it back on the screen average 1 out of 10 reviews so I went to the premiere the Sydney premiere of Fury Road and I was so excited leading up to it i actually saw hugh keysburn who plays toe cutter yeah. and he plays at morton joe in right. fury road he was actually sitting in the road behind me but i was too starstruck to go up and talk to him yeah which is weird i've been to every they had a mad max uh retrospective about five years ago at the ritz cinema in uh randwick and he was there as well and again like i don't mind going up to people i recognize we went up to barry hall for fuck's sake right when he was all, when he looked like he went to bunch our heads in but i was too intimidated to go up to him so he was there and at the end of the film, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get a photo with Hugh Keith Burns. So I talked to Gemma about it as I built myself up. But when the lights came up, he must have left early. So I'm sort of moping around the foyer, like going, uh, and this guy comes up and taps me on the shoulder and he's like, oh, hey, mate, um, my kids are big fans of Home and Away. Can I get a photograph? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. And so I'm talking to this guy and he's like, oh, you know, I, I, act, I was an actor too. I'm like, yeah, right. Like, what did what have you been? He's like, I was in Mad Max too. And I looked at him and I'm like, Hang on, are you the feral kid? <laughs> and it was. Fucking like, feral right. kid. And Bill Minty. Right. Yeah. He was like, and I was like, oh my God, it's. And now he has feral kids in yeah. his But he was like, can you get a photo of my kids? But I was like. Just young pups. I was like, Gemma, can you get a photo of me and the feral kid? Can you get a photo with me and the feral dad? Like I, it was, I actually, I, I mean, I, I was, <laughs> I was so movie. kind of apoplectic with kind of just like joy and like, oh, and had so many questions for him yeah. and stuff. And he was fucking great though. But the best thing about it was you hope that when you meet those people, they don't be like, oh, you know, I don't know, man. I did that years ago. I don't remember. He was like, wanted to talk about it. Yeah, so great. He had a ton of fucking stories about working with George Miller and yeah. it was like being the fucking feral kid. Like how often does that get to happen? It was seriously one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> like I met like someone. What was the most interesting thing he told you? Well, you know, well, it was about George. He basically said that. Dr. George. Dr. George. He said that, um. I said, "What is what?" I said, "What?" If makes- we're calling him Doctor Dre, we have to call fucking Doctor George. Yes, right? yeah. George, Doctor George. I said, "What was the thing that stuck out most about him?" And he said, "Well, he said he'd never. He, that was his first. I think it was his only acting role. I don't think he actually did much before or after." Type but he cast. said that, like Mel Gibson was on set, and everyone knew Mel Gibson was a big star because yeah. by that stage, you know, he was yeah. doing Hollywood films. 
And he said, but when George talks to you, you're the only person in the room. And I've heard that said about Bill Clinton is like when Bill Clinton meets you, like Bill Clinton removes your name and stuff. And he said right. that like Mel would be on set and you know, people be fussing over Mel, but then George would just sort of stop everything and take the time to sit down with Emil and explain the scene to him. And it's like, well, here's what I'm going to say about that, which I, I, I have like, this is anecdotal evidence, which yeah. is the best kind of evidence. <laughs> anecdotal evidence to support that because this afternoon, well, yeah, this afternoon, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Justin and I walked by Dr. George Miller yeah. because Dr. George Miller lives uh, in my local neighborhood. Amy sees him at the shops all the time. And we had said uh, before we went out on People the People know famously. I yeah. talked to him in the butcher that day and I thought he was going to get me to write Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it would not have been as good. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would have been a lot more wordy. Yeah. So many more words. And less with the bendy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we had said, oh, "Why have- is Tom Hardy doing this whole chunk? I'm not going to the gym oh, anymore." Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. And talk it feels more. like he's just wedged in material. And talk more at the start. And why you is- know what? You take the shot. She why- doesn't need why to do it. Why is Mad Max talking about Batman all the time? I don't think Mad Max would know who Batman is in this world. Yeah, why? it's weird that Mad Max is like, you know, I was also Bane. What? <laughs> why is he even weird. saying that? So weird. But anyway, we were. We'd said we hope to if we. Might see him. It might be George is a neighbour and he's been around recently. Yeah. And so we Amy were like, we're going him. to lunch. She keeps talking to him. I Hopefully we will uh, run into Dr. George on the yeah. way. And we did and we run did. into Dr. George. But, but someone was talking to him and you know what he was doing? Paying 100%, 100% attention. Do you guys note that? Giving, like, uh, that's what we saw. Because we were going to, because I know he knows me. So I was kind of, if he, like, wow. if, he's, if, he yeah. got, if he caught our eye, I was going to, like, you know, initiate conversation and go, and say hello and whatever because I had Ramona as well with me and I know he loves the dogs and stuff and and so I was like I, I thought this will be brilliant right but he was so yeah. concentrating on yeah. what this guy was Are you talking serious? about yeah. like 100% 100%, 100%. 100%. Right. so to the point where we hated this guy yeah we were gonna guy, we, just we were, like, were furious fuck you, fuck you. Talk, oh. I, I had a lot of sunshine to blow up so his this ass today right this is bullshit yeah, right, today. Okay. Yeah. so not to get all fucking like lost on you oh. but on my way over here I was thinking, man, well, what should we talk about? Like, well, we've definitely got to talk about Fury Road. And I was thinking about, like, fucking uh, how amazing George Miller is, 70 years old, made this film. And as I'm thinking about it, this car comes cruising towards me along Old South Head Road. And I look in the passenger seat and I see these, like, goggle-type glasses. It's fucking George, George Miller. What is going on? wave to him. Well, he lives around here. It's not actually uh, that yeah, unusual. I, but I, I, <laughs> I didn't know if it was a Spike Jones movie being... Being Dr. George. I love that we're like, this is amazing. No, 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 no actually, he just lives no, but we, yeah. live, we live like about 20 minutes apart. Yeah, right? okay, like, sure. Sure. There's a major road connecting yeah. us and yeah. lots One of people travel <laughs> Yeah. But it's pretty insane. This is- as I was thinking about George Miller, he drives past. I wave to him, by the way. I put uh, my yeah. hand up. Yeah. He doesn't wave. Right. No, no. Here's the thing. That is so much like Lost that I'm never going to be on a plane with all three of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in case this is backstory. Yeah, I mean, it's he's amazing. Yeah, like he to me, like seventy years old. Yeah, like to be to be able to be seventy and to not only have the capacity to go to the desert and make this incredibly exhausting film with all these practical effects, this grand vision, you know, mm. to envision it, but then to capture it, but to even. Like to to know that at seventy years old, a man who's made so many iconic things to still be doing his most creative work yeah. at age seventy, like is I mean it blows my fuck up. Yeah, mind. it's inspiring. Well okay, here's the thing. I love this film so much. 
I went to Amazon. I bought everything associated with the film. So I have the art of Mad Max. I have the comic books. I have yep. all this stuff. And I was flicking through the books one day, and I realized that I know one of the writers of Mad Max Fury Road, Nicola Thuris. When I started acting, he was my drama coach on the first show I ever worked on. Oh. And Nico is in the first Mad Max, the very first one. He small role he plays a mechanic. I think his character's name is Grease Rat. Oh, a small right. role. But right. he sort of met George Miller when he was just come out of NIDA and stuff and he's a young actor. And So Nico went on. He was in Heartbreak High. He played Alex Dimitriadis' dad in the Heartbreak High TV series. Okay. Right. That gives you some context. But anyway, Nico <laughs> uh, was a drama coach of some note. And uh, when I the first job I ever had, he was the drama coach. And he's very like... He's very smart, intelligent, very intense individual. Like, he's into this style of acting. By the way, I like the, the idea of the drama coach. Like, I like to think it's like the footy coach. He's like, hey, guys, you know what? Home and away, we had a great season last yeah, year, yeah, but we've got yeah. a new coach. Yeah. If I see the guys muck up any more lines, I'm going to spew. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a whole new plan. Yeah. Uh, we're not having one-on-one conversations anymore. We're just setting up a yeah. pattern yeah. throughout yeah. the scene. If there's five seconds to go in the episode... <laughs> Everyone back! Everyone back! Coming in halfway through episodes, just to yell at you guys. Well, we had to drop Charlie Clawson from this week's episode because he's got to find a bit of form. The twos, he's lacking on confidence. Yeah, we've found the neighbours. Look, we've just sent him back to Ramsey Street to find his feet up at Easy. Get some scenes under his belt. Great. Uh, great news for Home and Away fans with Charlie Clawson picking up 46 lines on Neighbours. I mean, here's the thing. Like, he's actually been really great on Home and Away, but we just want to qualify him for the for the finals for yeah. Neighbours. So we, yeah. just, we just need to get him in some scenes uh, yeah. down at the pub. Charlie Clawson, rookie listed at the age of 18 on Ed Start for the ABC. Oh. <laughs> he just needs to get back in the nets. He'll be right. Yeah. It'll be fine. Uh, so, Nico... Um, he was this drama coach and he hasn't done much acting lately, but I heard years ago from another director I know that uh, George and Nico had been working together. And so from the way the, way the film was created is that um, uh, George Miller worked with Brendan McCarthy. Oh, uh, yeah, and, they, and they, they drew, what was it, 3,800 pictures? Yeah, yeah, they basically, they had no script. They, he, they just described the story visually and right. then pinned that up. And then as the film progressed, they then brought in Nico to work with George who created the script. And so there's very kind of, um, I mean, I think because this film was meant to get up in 2001 and then 2006, yeah. I think all that time actually worked in the film's favour because mm. it got more and more development. And so I was at uh, Sydney Film Festival earlier this year and I ran into Nico and I just had to stop him and said, oh my God, like, you know, I haven't seen you in like 15 years or something. But I said, I just loved that film. I just loved it so much. And I said, what I loved most about it was like it's a purely visual film. Like you pick up so much of the narrative and the subtext from stuff that's in the frame. Like it, it I mean, story t- the storytelling through action and through visuals rather than dialogue in that film is the best yeah. I have ever seen. But it also stands up to repeat viewing because when you see it again, you pick up a... It's like... I agree. You once said to me the best thing about The Watchmen, the, the comic series, mm. is that when you reread it, you pick up something new every time. Yeah. And I feel that way about Fury Road because you're like, oh, because every bit of art direction, every prop, every bit of costuming, there is a narrative to it. And right. like you hear George Miller talk about it and they say like, you know, they wanted everything to have a history and a logic. This is your big argument. You know, we talked about this before is you, 
you don't care what the explanation is right. for that fantastical it just makes sense of- in that universe exactly the classic example we were literally talking about this when we saw George Miller today was that they never have a scene where they're like well we believe in this and it's based on the mythology of like Valhalla and when yeah. you die what we do is we have this ceremony yeah. where you spray paint on your face which is meant to symbolise that no, it the just makes sense. The audience pick yeah. it up. Enough. Yeah. yeah. And it, maybe you'll have a, a slightly different interpretation than one yeah. other people, but both of those things are fine. Yeah. Both of those things make sense yeah. in the world they're in. Right. So when I saw Nico at the film festival, I said, I love the film. And I said, so just like I said, what was the writing process? And like, what was the idea behind like, well, this is how the story is going to unfold. And he said, well, you know, they had the kind of boards and the images and then the story they wanted to tell. So then they said they took the attitude of anthropologists. If you got dropped into the jungle, into an ancient tribe of which you didn't know anything about the language, what would give you clues about the power structure and, you know, uh, what they believed in and what they hated and what they feared? And he said it would be all through kind of, well, the clothes they wear. And this guy is dressed like fearsomely. So he's the leader, right. you know, and this, and it's like, that's, but that's what the film is. They have, yeah. it has a language and a style right. to it. It makes sense. That is not, that makes sense, but is not, uh, there's no exposition to it. You have yeah. to watch it right. and be immersed in it for a bit, and then you start to pick up. Oh, this is what's oh, going on. Oh, and of course yeah. they see. By the way, they're speaking of, English in right. this film, so no, no. but, but you kind of like it's never explained that like here are you know um, the different towns are around these different things that are important in this yeah. post-apocalyptic world, yeah. and obviously well, it makes sense. Okay, guns are important, and water is important, and blah 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 is important. Like you know, these all things have their own areas, and of course these different tribes much like football teams or whatever, have their own way of identifying with yeah. their own tribe. So their cars will look slightly different and yeah. like all these things will be because if you're in that situation where your life depends on knowing if someone immediately is your friend or your foe, mm. then people identify by tribes in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's also one of the rare modern movies that you could watch with the sound down and it would still make sense. 100%. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the best thing about it. Watch it with the sound down in black and white yeah. and you'd get the entire story. And even to the point of, you know, like everyone's talked about the scene where the five wives are introduced and it's, it's quite a sexy kind of Where they're spraying know, water on themselves. Moment. Yeah, and it is a sexy moment, but it is not like that then dictates who those women are. They don't, it's not like they stay objects the yeah. rest of the film. And the they introduce them as the kind of symbol of purity yeah, that's that what they that are. Thing, but and not then a, you get yes, to know them. They absolutely. get to know their identity yeah. and afterwards. Well, but yeah. this is the whole point is like, and if you follow the story, if you understand, like I, I think, if you understand the story, like these are people, okay, you're living in this world where for whatever reason people are born mutated, right? And the best thing that you can be is this pure blood trying to get people to it without, without deformities, yeah. right? And these women have been raised in isolation to be this, this you know, virginal yeah. idea of probably from very young like yeah. it seems right in this situation they don't know that you're meant to save water they don't know yeah. Th- yeah. like they're dressed in white because that's what somebody believes that these people should be dressed they're in yeah. and they're idiots yeah. like yeah. I mean in some ways but yeah. then within that Ignorant. they become yeah that's right yeah. and then they you know yeah, no, I, I mean, I, that, that, that scene, makes sense. That, that scene film. when the uh, the first the kind of attack scene. and oh. she swings out pregnant, you oh, know, yeah, stopping yeah. the shot. I reckon that's one of the most stunning scenes I've seen in a movie in well, a long time. Here's the other thing about the film that I think is misunderstood is that, like, the, the same friends of mine who love the Mad Max original trilogy is like, 
Well, Max wasn't the Mel Gibson Mad Max. And I agree. Like when I Did first they also it, notice it wasn't Mel Gibson? Yeah. No, but... It's also not Mel Gibson. But in terms of the character... <laughs> this guy is hate slice But the character, the, character so wasn't, the character wasn't the original Mad Max. And to be honest, when I saw the first, film the first time, I, it was like, Tom Hardy, you are my least favorite part of this film because it's all twitching and stuff. And then right. I saw it the second time. And like I say, this is a film that keeps on giving when you mm. like go back. I'm like, oh my god, no! He's playing a guy with post-traumatic stress, stress disorder. disorder. Yeah, and that, like, he's actually because look, Mel Gibson, of course, iconic, wonderful, love those films. Yeah. but he's playing a stoic Western hero. Mm. Tom's come in, and I assume under George's kind of tutelage, he's like, no, give me some reality. Yeah, like, what mm. is it like to if- actually be on the run because your wife and kid were murdered, and yeah. everywhere, everywhere you go, death follows. Like, death follows. Yeah, and yeah. you feel like you are responsible for the death of all these people, people that you couldn't save, and you're in this post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, and what? And you're just cool, just cruising around in your car, fucking solving crimes. Yeah, <laughs> you're not the fucking yeah. littlest hobo in yeah. a leather jacket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. And he played it like that, which was. But also what I loved was you felt like this person who had clearly been in the middle of something terrible. And so that's like why for the first half there's really no dialogue for him. Mm. And he finally starts to open up and trust. But for him it's not like, oh, we're going to be friends forever. It's like I am – this is not – the end of my life. I'm not going to live happily ever after at the end of this. You've literally just captured 90 minutes and that's what it feels like or two hours or whatever it is. But Mm. literally, we're not seeing the story of Max. We're not, there's not that big flashback. It's not like fucking making another Spider-Man film and they're like, oh, well, we better show how it became Spider-Man. Like there's fucking, there's a couple of seconds of fucking flashback and voiceover, but really most of it's like, here's just this part of his fucked up life that he's living in this world. Mm. And at the end of it, guess what happens? He just moves on. Because well, it's like, well, it's, it's, this it's, may or it's, may not happen. It's like that. the yeah. end of the second movie. Like, the end of the second movie, he's yeah. become a myth. Yeah. And so this is just another part of the myth. And they just can keep telling stories if they want. Oh, yeah. And it kind of doesn't have to be a linear tale. Well, and that's what the, and that's what George Miller said, is it's not, it's not like a, a, a reboot or whatever. It's yeah. just like another legend of Mad Max. But yeah. Yeah, I just I, I I just think the whole film is almost perfect in a way. Like even this people say that like it's oh there's no plot and it's like no there's a lot of plot. A lot yeah. of plot. It's, it's what is not stated, you know, and just the little hints, especially about like Furiosa, like that Charlie's Theron I've had a crush on, but like, I don't think I've been in love with her as much as I have in this film. Oh, mate. Man, that's what's going on there. She is... Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. since Monster, I have not been able to take my eyes off her. And... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's... I mean... The hints, I guess, uh, maybe you have a different interpretation of this movie to me, but I got the impression, because she also seems to be uh, untouched uh, by whatever... You know, malaise is yeah, you know, suiting all yeah, you know, affecting all these other people, and there is some sort of impression that maybe she was recruited as like a child brought like yeah. to be mm. like one I of think these that, things. I think like, that, yeah, I think that's, I mean, what that's it pretty. Is. She and her mother were kidnapped right. from the green place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when to be she taken away to be like yeah, and for whatever reason, like I think I can't remember what I read about the why she has a false arm, but that was either she was being punished. Or something like that. So that she doesn't even matter. Right. From right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you get the impression that well, that that has to do with, and yeah. that's why the storytelling mm. is so great. Yeah. Is that like it You'll, gives you enough where you're like, oh yeah, okay. It hints on that, and probably yeah. something happened with the arm. Maybe that's yeah. how she lost the arm. Yeah. You don't need the explanation of like how she. You kind of like okay, yeah, I can fill that in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of. I, 
I saw that film and then I said to Justin before, like, I actually, I've seen a few action films since. And I'm like, oh, I know. Oh, it's, it's, it was, I think yeah. been, it was I like think, a game changer, wasn't it? It totally kind of yeah. spoiled everything. I mean, to see Jurassic World after seeing Mad Max. Any other and, movie ever. Look, I know you've gone, <laughs> I've gone, I know you've gone at length. I actually listened to your podcast. Uh, was it, it must have been a faux fop. Was it faux fop or was it a comedy film nerd? I have talked about it so many there was times. One of, on there's so one of the podcasts that you'd been on where I heard you trash it and I was like, I can't be that bad because I'd heard a few people say, oh, no, it's quite fun. And then Gemma and I, when we were in Broome, we went to that beautiful outdoor cinema, the Sun Cinema in Broome, and saw it and we were wanting to, like, kill ourselves. Isn't it terrible? Everything about it is corrupt. Everything. Everything. Like, and so, <laughs> especially coming coming from Mad Max, like, we've just fucking waxed lyrical about Mad Max and just yeah. the depths and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the mastery and all this stuff. And then you see that film, and it's like everything that is great about Max. Yeah. That is, it's like the bizarro world. But Jurassic make World makes a billion, billion dollars. Yeah. And Mad Max, they're still discussing whether or not they should make a sequel. I mean, it's made almost $400 million worldwide, but it costs $150 million. You'd probably throw the same in for marketing, so $100 million profit. Like, yeah. But you know where you have to hope it kicks in is online and blue. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I honestly feel like the same way I felt when I saw Fight Club. I'm like, this is a film that if it hasn't struck now... I think people are going to come back to it and go, wow, this was like fucking... Also, it's had a lot of good uh, uh, word of mouth. So, you know... Oh, yeah. I mean, the reviews are unanimous, but I still think like... If it the, wins some if awards... If you ever want to get depressed, go onto Facebook when... If you follow like Village Cinemas or whatever on Facebook, they'll promote a film like Birdman. Then just go into the comment section and see what people think about Birdman. Go <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. the comments what people think about Fury Road and you're like, oh... Oh no! How does anyone make any money in this universe yeah. with these people critiquing like how dumb Max was because you know uh, he couldn't hit a hit a target and she had to take the rifle? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh shit, like that. It's just like I honestly feel if like Max is a, a moderate, even though it's like critically praised, I feel like it's going to be a film that you can look back in like ten years and say. How the fuck did they get a guy playing an electric guitar that shoots flames into a $150 million film? Like, right. someone at Warner Brothers have made a lot of mistakes, let's be honest. DC, maybe they're handling badly, but some fucking dude at Warner Brothers was ballsy enough to say to George, oh, uh, okay. your location got raided. Okay. Yeah. They gave him $150 yeah. million dollars to make that film. We're going to have, like, in all these crazy fucking, like, you know, like, action, like, road chase fucking weird Cirque du Soleil scenes, we're also going to have guys playing the drums, like a Viking boat, and then just some dude playing electric guitar that has Made a flame show, that has a flamethrower coming out yeah. of it. Because of course you would. Well, Why heard, wouldn't you? How heard, like, Ramona's here. It's been a while since Ramona's made an appearance on the podcast and she's <laughs> just come in at last moment. To, to Ramona, what up. do you think of Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, she loved it. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ramona's been smoking by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, no, she. Uh, George Miller loves her, so I'm sure she loves oh, really? the movie in return. Yeah. Well, yes. uh, Madness. There's a thing I read about uh, with this whole uh, DC... Marvel thing, Warner Brothers versus Marvel Studios. And uh, people are saying like, well, Marvel has this formula, right? That's how they make their films. It's worked yeah. many times over and it's uh, it's family friendly, blah, blah, blah. DC have this, uh, DC Warner Brothers, their attitude is, we're Warner Brothers. We don't make fucking cookie cutter fucking action. We hire filmmakers and they make films. Christopher Nolan, you know, Zack Snyder. 
Now, you kind of laugh at the Zack Snyder thing, but then you think about, well, George Miller, like, what was George Miller's currency? Happy Feet 2, which kind of bombed. And they still said to him, you're a genius. <laughs> we feel like you can do something. <laughs> He's had a lot of hits, though. Like, he mostly fucking... Lorenzo Zoyle? No, come on. A 70... Well, he would have been, what, 60 years old when he pitched... Happy Feet made a lot of money. Babe made a lot of money. Do you think it's a... No- Babe too big in the, big in the city <laughs> that made some money. <laughs> made a lot of bacon. I don't... <laughs> Kevin Bacon must star in the Babe remake. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is as Babe. <laughs> Kevin Bacon Kevin is making Bacon, bacon is in Babe, babe, babe yeah. 3. Babe 3. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is Babe. <laughs> making Bacon. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to eat and it's, you know, we've talked for yeah. enough time for a podcast. Do we talk enough about Mad Max? Because I could go on for like another Oh, like, no, I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll get back, back to it. it. Yeah, no, we'll come back to it. Hang on, no, but no, is this no, the end no, of no. one episode? Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're going to come back into another... No, I just meant at some stage. We yeah, what, in, the, in the... What? Like in... Well, because, I mean, well, Amy told me that it was about half an hour until dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, no, And I'm we fine. talked for about half an hour. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that maybe we should finish because, like, it's, we've done an hour and ten. Yeah. So yeah. that's like a... Do you want... I, I know. Do you sorry, want, I don't, what else do you want to say? We can keep talking about Mad Max. I feel like you're well, we being serious. I was just saying, like... <laughs> I could talk about Mad Max forever, oh, was okay. what I was about to say. All right. Well, but I'm sure you will. You took me too literally. But we can. <laughs> <Sorry about laughs> All right. Um, uh, hey, uh, my political will shows are on sale, and uh, Justin and I are coming to the PCEC in Perth to do the last two dates of my free will tour. It is my favourite show that I've done so far, and we've been having a great time doing it, uh, mm. including everyone who came out to see us at the Enmore. So thank you for that. Um, uh, yeah, so, big props to the Enmore crowd. Yeah, they were awesome, <laughs> and the Enmore. Uh, thank you to all those guys. Uh, Justin, anything uh, your podcast can you take this photo please uh, yes uh, check out uh, the latest interview with uh, Ray Badron that's a pretty interesting one the shelf and the shelf is back uh, we've only got uh, tickets on sale for the 17th and 31st man. of August but you can get them yeah yeah the dicks. shelf reach plug out your, plug your blog <laughs> plug your blog you know you want it uh, Fuck it, though. <laughs> uh, I, I have nothing to promote I'm on a TV show you can find on channel 7 Mondays to Thursdays at 7pm um I was going to ask you, when you said props to the Enmore, I've always wondered, what is props short for? Proposition. No. I have no idea. Uh, big props. Props, big props. Big, big props. props. Like, like not, a big, not like big the, thumbs up. Like, not like... Uh, no, literally big props. They yeah. say, could you please take them some, like, uh, here's a giant uh, cardboard castle? Here's a 14-sided <laughs> yeah, dice. I like carrot top. Big props. Yeah, big props. <laughs> yeah. Uh, giant watermelon. It's uh, a one kilogram chop chop No, but do you not know what... Do we, hang on, do we need to just quickly hit Google? Props. What is the props? Big props. If you, if okay, phone. props to... Proposition... Prop... prop Listen to the old men trying to get their phones out of their oh, pockets. I don't have mine, so you'll have to look it up. So, uh, you may need what to put some props? Props? What is props? <laughs> what is props? Big props. Mean? To give big props. To give out props. To uh, produce Because I'd like to give big props to George Miller... This episode's to Dr. George. This episode's dedicated, dedicated to you. Dedicated to Dr. George. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah big props. You ever saw a frog? You thought I was a toad? I got that feeling down for <laughs> Oh, my God. What the hell just happened? <laughs> what happened? Okay, uh, props can mean compliment, <laughs> respect, credit. For example, Erica gets props for the great work she did on the music. Well, I'm about to tell you. Uh, states that props is slang 
proper respect or proper recognition oh, for another person. Proper. An expression of approval or a special acknowledgement, accolade or accolades, praise, or as we say, big I mean, props. Yeah, props, proper. Yeah. That makes sense. Fuck, yeah. I've been using that for like a decade and not knowing what it meant. And yeah. therein is a lesson for all of us. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. I'm mostly Justin Hamilton.